and boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite, 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 boom goes the dynamite, dynamite, boom. And boom goes the Welcome to episode 97 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how are you, man? I am. I'm, I'm sort of sleepy again. I feel like I've been waking up too early, maybe, or like my, my schedule has, has gotten me to a point where I'm not peaking on these Wednesday nights the way I used to. So, like, I'm getting some energy adjustments there. Uh, but we're here. I, I am present and accounted for. I'm telling you, it's and that it, counts. That's, I, I, I'm telling you, this whole wake, this whole waking up when it's still dark thing is fucking me up. It's fucking my yeah, son up too, because he's waking up late for school now too, and I'm waking up and I'm waking up like 20 minutes after I want to now, and you know, it's just like God, this sucks. Isn't it going to get even worse? And there's, there's fr- much more. Dark. And there's frost on the cars in the morning. I got to go out and, you know, turn my car on early. And Jesus yes. Christ. Welcome to the Winter Curmudgeons podcast where Ugh. we get mad about all the stuff that's sold. We're going to start talking about uh, uh, joint pain. Uh, very oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. No. <laughs> it's going to be a podcast about joint pain, uh, window scraping. Ugh. And, uh, um, I don't know what else happens. Your pipes freeze sometimes, I guess. But if you get you get a pipe freezing, yeah, that's you, an you can do that. that. That hasn't happened here yet, though. Uh, I guess this house is better insulated than the one I had in Indy because the one in Indy, that's... like it, it was only like one pipe ever actually froze, and it was it was in my upstairs bathroom. I think it was like if the wind caught that pipe just right, it would freeze. Like, it, it was oh, just geez. weird when it would freeze. What a great housework that is. Like, oh, uh, yeah, if the wind's right, the pipes freeze. Well, the wind just, used to howl around that house. house. Yeah. yeah, the the wind used to howl around that house, too. So, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, yeah, here, I mean, obviously, I guess they have, you know, better, you know, insulation and probably better building standards here than they do in Indy. So, it must probably. be said. Yeah, I mean. Indy not exactly known Before for it. Actually, this, this becomes the Winter Curmudgeons podcast. We should probably talk about wrestling. Yeah, um, uh, we're, we're going to start on a kind of a serious note because, of course, late last night, uh, we were all pretty rocked about the uh, tweet that Tony Khan had put out. Saying, yeah, I mean, rocked, I guess, isn't even the the uh, the phrase I would use. I just, for me, I, I felt good. And, uh, and I've, I'll tell you why. So we're pretty, we, we can probably know what we're talking about here. Mox went to rehab. Uh, John Moxley checked into a uh, in-treatment, inpatient facility uh, to deal with, with some problems with alcohol. And, and this was, uh, uh, to me, I think, a positive thing. 
you know, I've I've been through it with a lot of my family. I come from a very long line of alcoholics. Uh, I would assume I, I probably know uh, what treatment center uh, John Moxley is at. And I think I've been to it. So, uh, like, I, I'm pretty familiar with, with the process here and and going through the treatment. And you know, it's it's just a good thing for him, I guess. Jeff, I know you have some thoughts. I do. I mean, it, it is good that. Um... You know, they, they they were public about this at, at like the very top level, and yeah. I mean, it shouldn't have came from anyone else but Tony Khan. He led with, you know, John has given me permission to share this, and it's obvious that that they talked about it, and I'm sure they discussed, you know, what the merits would be of of going public. And I think, you know, Mox did the right thing because I do think that that could be the catalyst for even a small amount, even if it's for one person makes them say, ah, oh, maybe I need to get some help too. Maybe if this guy can do it, you know, what's my excuse? And, and you know, that's overwhelmingly a good thing. And I think, you know, Mox is very brave for, for sharing his journey as it happens. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, if he just had a kid, he's at the top of his career right now. Uh, you know, sh- besides, you know, missing work and being away from your kids, uh, you know, the stigma and the embarrassment that can come along with it. And he's not afraid of that. And I'm really glad he's not afraid of that because he's shown, you know, uh, the overwhelming support that's come from his fan base and, you know, from people around AEW, from wrestling fans in general. Uh, it's, it's really great to see. And I think it's going to do a lot of good for some people. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that's the thing is that, you know, once you have it, it can be something like that. I mean, once you have a kid or two. In my case, um, you know, you, you you do start to notice a change. You know, you you you, you start thinking of things differently, and Absolutely. you start realize like you start realizing that oh wait shit you know what I have other people who depend on me now. You know, yeah, and, and I think it's, that's you know, we'd be speculating, and I don't want to get into speculation over someone's personal life, but you know, I think it's great you know that you know Mox can you know look long term here and and see you know, his yeah. future beyond what's going on right now and do what's best for him and his family. Right. Because, awesome. I mean, and, and you know, it's like, you know, the things that you think about when you have kids, like things will change in your mind too. Like, like you change. So like, you know, it, it took being traumatized by the pandemic to get me to start watching death matches again, because once I had kids, I could not watch death matches anymore. You know, right, it's just kind of you probably view that type of ultra violence in a different way when you know you're kind of protecting someone's life from that very type of violence. Yeah, right? exactly. It's just kind of like, yeah, my sensibilities definitely changed, and now you yeah, know, that makes sense. Yeah, I and mean, again, we we've all been traumatized, traumatized, excuse me, by this pandemic in in, in many and varied ways. Um, but. I, I, and, and I, the factors that can go into, you know, a slide into something or, you know, to, to not be doing so well when it comes to addiction and stuff can come from so many different places. And uh, a guy like Mox has so many different pressures coming from places. And, yeah. you know, I, I think this is a big lesson and something to be remembered for folks out there that maybe aren't familiar, uh, you know, with having alcoholism in their life or, or, you know, if you haven't had a friend or family member or loved one that's gone through it. I think when you think of, you know, alcoholism getting to a point where it's affecting your life negatively or to a point where, you know, uh, you need to get help. I think you associate it with things like missing work or missing family engagements or, you know, violence or, or you know, crime or, or, you know, poor health and things like that. And a lot of people just don't pay attention to, to high functioning alcoholism. 
And obviously, you know, Mox is a guy. We didn't know what was going on. Mox was making all of his dates. He was making the towns. He was taking care of his kid, you know, by by, by our eyes uh, from everything that we could see. Uh, he was he was all there. Right. But obviously the guy needed help. And, and you know, if you're going through something like that where you think that, you know, you, you can make the towns, you know, you can make it to work every day. Uh, so it's fine. Or you keep pushing through, you keep pushing through. I think this is the lesson here. Uh, stop. Slow down. Uh, you know, if you, if you need help, go out in there, get it. If you think you need help, go ask and find out. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Mox did that. Mox was able to look ahead and do that. It's very brave and it's not easy to do. And, and, and it's ironic that, you know, for two reasons, number one, his book just came out the other day too. Yeah. And I actually listened to, uh, today's, uh, episode of talk is Jericho. Uh, Mox was the guest uh, talking about his book mostly. So the timing yeah. of that release also. Yeah. Uh, just said, but, I mean, yeah, well, Mox was literally in the middle of this. He's about to go on a book tour and he said, you know, fuck all that. Uh, I have to get right. Yeah. But also, you know, the, 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 this has been kind of a t tumultuous week in, in the, the personal lives of, of Jonathan Good and Renee Paquette, considering uh, uh, Renee's uh, personal hid, hidden personal Instagram yeah, got, got hacked. I don't even really want to talk about that. I, I don't either, but I mean, I'm just going to make mention it happened and, you know, pics were stolen and, you know, that sucks. And, yeah. you know, but not I mean, great, no, not I'm not, not going to perseverate on it. But yeah, it's just, you know, in, in, in the personal lives of, of that couple and that family, it's it, it's been a tumultuous one. So, of course, obviously, you know, we, we, we hope that, you know, the family is OK and we hope that, you know, Jonathan Good gets the help he he thinks he needs and yeah we're rooting for mox over here and obviously i'm rooting for anybody that can you know go out and do what's best for themselves you know in the face of adversity like this alcoholism is a motherfucker man that's all i mean it really is it's 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 a real son of a bitch yeah i mean and, and, and i mean it, it, it may sound we've seen we've seen mox you know go toe-to-toe -to -toe with nick gage and get pizza cut open and get his back slashed and beat up and through tables and barbed wire and glass panes and all type of shit over the last couple of years but this is the the toughest opponent here he's facing it head on and uh all the best i yeah. nothing but respect and, and, and i mean i know that sometimes you know we, you, you and i have done this podcast you know slightly intoxicated i mean you, you, oh, you but, yeah. <laughs> but i mean you know but i mean yeah i mean I, I think that the two of us know that there's a limit and over and after you, 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 or there's a line to be crossed. And if you do cross it, then yeah, maybe you need to step back and examine yeah, and yourself too, I'm, which I'm, is, I'm, which is all we ask I, for anybody, you know, I consider myself incredibly fortunate that uh, I haven't been affected just, you know, personally by like, like alcoholism, or I haven't been touched in that way that, you know, maybe other, my friends, family and loved ones have, uh, again, you know, something that I've, I saw a lot, uh, in my life up until this point, uh, it was never really of that same interest to me. I did some heavy drinking in my time. I don't really anymore. And it's not something I've ever felt like I've needed to do. Uh, and I, again, I, I'm, I'm just fortunate. I'm really lucky that way. That's all I can I can attribute it to. I'm just fucking lucky. Uh, a lot of people aren't. And and if you aren't so lucky and if, you know, that's uh, that's something that affects your life. Uh, all I can say is I hope I hope you get that same help. But I'm just really glad that that we're doing all this publicly and that we're able to talk about it, and that we're able to destigmatize these things uh, uh, through these experiences. And, you know, ultimately very thankful uh, to Mox for doing that. And uh, that this is actually going to be a thread uh, that we will come back to throughout this episode of Dynamite, which we go live 
to the Cable Dahmer Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur, we open right up with our first match, a non-title matchup with uh, your AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Vi- Executive Vice President Kenny Omega, versus Allen Five Angels in a rematch from the, the stunner of a match from the very beginning of lockdown. Uh, yes. where, where so, Alan Angels looked a lot better than anybody thought he would. Um, during this point, Excalibur explicitly makes a shout out to John Moxley. And I just yeah. want to point this out because this is something this, this is like doing something that that and I hate when we had to compare it to the other company, but the other company would never do this in a million years. No, they would say uh, they're at a medical facility uh, fighting demons, or, or or something like that. You know, they, they, they would speak in this nonsense code and you know talk down to their viewers. I think absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a constant exercise in intelligence insulting, and we will get back to that theme as well later in this podcast, Jeff. The uh, insulting of the fans' intelligence oh, and or lack thereof. That's a tease. Okay, fair. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I, I just do want to point that out that they, they are not hiding this. I mean, like I said, no. the, the announcement came from Tony Khan himself. Well, we're going to get get more on, into that, too. They hide it even less later in the show. Oh, yes. A, a note that I want to make, first note, is uh, Alan Angels on Twitter, uh, for his display name, uses Vs for the As, right? Like the Roman numeral five, right? Correct. I mean, that's clever. But because he does that, every time I see or hear them, I think, Vlan Vlungels. <laughs> I just want to call him Vlan Vlungels now. Fair. Um, have you noticed? Have you noticed who has not been appearing lately? Vlan Vlungels? No, besides him. <laughs> oh, uh, I, who are you getting to? No. Uh, the, the, the Vlan Vallis has not been uh, appearing late, oh! recently. Well, no, he was there, what, what, two, was it two weeks now? Yeah, that, but this is two weeks, but this is okay. two weeks since he was last on, and in that time, uh, the, apparently it is official now that the deal, be, that the forbidden door between AEW and Impact has now closed again. Uh, but he was already out of Impact by then, Yeah. Right? He had, well, well he was, so I don't think that matters. Well, that. he was out <laughs> Well, I don't know if he's out from the company in general. He was out from his uh, his his uh, vice presidential position. Right. So if he's, you know, uh, if, if he's, you know, whatever, on the periphery or whatever, I don't really think that matters at this point. I, so I'm I, not gonna I just thought it was interesting. Relationship directly. I do think it's interesting, but I don't think that's the case with, with Callis specifically. He's probably just taking a break or something. Well, that could be too. Uh, yeah, also, I don't really need him for this angle or for these storylines right now either. So, right. you know. Uh, also, did you notice the cleaner I got this sign? Yes, great, uh, really good <laughs> placement just with that camera and with that shot. And another note on camera, did you notice the new camera angle this week? The uh, That like mid shot on the opposite side of the hard cam with the HD camera? I did, actually. Now yeah, you nice. it. They, got, they, got some, they got a couple different angles with that camera. It looked kind of nice. Now, was, uh, well... now, we discussed this in the group chat, you know, myself, uh, Chris Damaseno, and the... Uh... You know the, uh, the the Days of Thunder guys, and uh, you know Dave Ryan mentioned that Cleaner I Got This was the greatest tweet of all time, and I just had to publicly say uh, no, it was not the greatest tweet of all time because the it's greatest not the greatest wrestling tweet of all time the greatest tweet of all time is deleted, and you can't find it on Twitter anymore. 
Which one are you going to say is the greatest suite of all uh, time? This is interesting. Uh, you I think the greatest suite of all time is. I don't remember who it was that did it, because if I was, I could probably find it easier. But the, the greatest tweet of all time read as such. On a scale of one to Gigi Allen, how much do you really not give a fuck? That's pretty good. I don't know who did that tweet. Greatest uh, tweet of all that, time. That was, an early, that was an early Twitter. But I will say, if we're going to talk about greatest wrestling tweets, even if we uh, like pare it down to wrestling, I think the greatest wrestling tweet of all time is still right chuck with me, mates. I still think that's the best. <laughs> uh, the best tweet. I don't have that in front of me. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. You do know. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, Okay. But, I mean, Cleaner I, I, I Got This before. is a good one. Cleaner <laughs> is one of the greatest replies, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to praise Kenny Omega, a rarity on this program. I just want to praise Kenny Omega. He made Alan Angels, once again, look like 1.5 million bucks in this, uh, uh, in this match. Look like 1.5 million bucks, I think, is a disservice to Vlan Blingels. Okay, I actually have it uh, because I retweeted it once, which I'm going to retweet it again right now. <laughs> uh, okay, I have it. So I, this is to me the best wrestling tweet ever. That, that, that's at, that's the, at, that that's at Cool Uncle on Twitter, kids. Yes, and this is a tweet from Fujiwara Armbar. This is from 2018. Looking forward to the next chapter of Right Chuck with Me Mates, featuring a title match between Lord Jeff, a sickly man with an undercut who sneers, and the destroyer of worlds, a five foot six pale man who wears a studded bane mask to the ring. <laughs> and that is the best tweet about British wrestling you could ever imagine. It's perfect. It's perfect. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, too, a little prophetic, too, in, in, in its own way. Um, it's an also, Lord Jeff is spelled like your Jeff. <sighs> Motherfuckers. Uh, so anyway, you were so saying about uh, uh, so you were saying about Vlan Vlangels. So I think he's a disservice to Vlan Vlangels because Vlan Vlangels can go, and that's why he's had two really good matches with Kenny Omega. It's not like Kenny Omega's wrestling a broomstick and making it look good. He's wrestling another good wrestler who's good at the wrestling and has uh, apparently, I mean, it's proven good chemistry with Kenny Omega. Um, um, you, you do realize that Kenny Omega has re- has wrestled a doll, yeah, and, and made it look also, good. <laughs> that, that doll has a really impressive resume. For well, yes, that, I mean Yoshihiko awesome. is one of the greatest of all time. Let's not Yoshihiko uh, is an incredibly accomplished, world renowned international superstar. That's right. <laughs> so, put some respect but, like, on that name. I mean, you know, these are uh, we're we're talking uh, uh, blow up dolls and real dolls here. Like, there's uh, a difference. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> This isn't one of them. Uh, this isn't one of them like little like blow up guys from the '80s movies, you know. Oh, this yeah. one's anatomically correct. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and and that dog can go in the ring. Let's face it. Hey. Whoa. Uh, no, I thought Alan Angels uh, did really well. This match was what nine minutes, and it got a lot in. It was uh, well paced. Was never really close, and you know Kenny's victory was never in doubt. But uh, Vlan Vlangels got some pretty good offense in, and yeah took some really solid bumps. I thought he looked really good getting beat up. Uh, took those V triggers real well. And uh, I mean, yeah, fine match. Yeah. And, and even did not even, I mean, even though he still beat him without the one winged angel, but you know, Kenny Omega should the not trip, be needing the one winged angel. Yeah. But I mean, Kenny Omega also should not be needing the one winged angel to beat Allen angels. But that being said, good match afterwards. Um, uh, Kenny Omega says one, that 
Wingel. Say again? One, one winged Wingel. <laughs> exactly. Um, afterwards, uh, Kenny Omega tries to further attack Alan Angels by trying to do a one winged angel onto a chair. That brings out Adam Page to make the save. Adam Page cuts the most polite promo ever against his, his opponent, saying, you know what? I'm not going to try to steal this belt or anything here. I'm just going to very nicely give this back to you because I'm going to be getting it in 10 days anyway. Yeah, just earnest. Uh, doesn't have, I mean, this, we're done talking, right? Page cut the best promo he's possibly going to cut last week, right? Like, you're not topping it. Why would you go out and try? Uh, let that one sit. Let that one be the definitive statement that you make. And everything else is icing on the cake until we get to next Saturday. You know, it's amazing. This uh, You would think that this, and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler, you would think that this is the is the go-home before Full Gear. Kind of, but I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, because yeah. there's still some things we need to get to, and it was a little bit talky at points. Well, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, afterwards, we have a Malachi Black promo where he says that uh, Cody's going to find out that, you know, more than one more than one knife went into Caesar's back, which, you know, accurate. So, And now let's circle straight back to our theme of two talkie. This was segment number one that could have had less words in it. Uh, Malachi is better when he's uh, uh, more efficient with his uh, his promos and what he's saying. He and, and, can and, tend to get into the weeds with with his stuff and get a little wordy and just unnecessary and kind of bog down those things. Very similar to what uh, Wyndham Rotunda, formerly Bray Wyatt, would do in some of his stuff in WWE over the last like five years or so. He'd get into the and, and these same kind of things. These like framed up, uh, you know, backstage sort of black background vignette type things. Uh, it's just talking too much. Like they probably could have done that with like uh, maybe ten to fifteen seconds of that less dialogue. Yeah, but I mean, this is also a guy whose whole entrance theme is ten minutes long. So, right, which and it's awesome. Uh, but, <laughs> it is. You know, it's it's a, but it's also efficient in its own way. Like. Uh, just yeah, a little, a little bit too much here. That's all I got for it. Like, he just gets into one of these things where he like he loves hearing himself talk, and you can tell. And it's not the character. Like I can, it, it takes me out of it because I know that's just like uh, Tommy and the person like being like, oh, listen to how smart I am. We then get an in-ring promo from uh, CM Punk, and uh, yeah, he 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 puts the kibosh on the whole CM Punk bit tonight. Uh, to, this was a good kind of too wordy. Yeah, to further discuss John Moxley and that one, of all people who's going to cut that promo, it, it, it had to have been CM Punk, honestly. Yes, it did. But also, um, I you know I'm going to say I thought it was interesting when he start when CM Punk started wading into the territories of discussing alcoholism. You know, a guy who famously does not drink yeah. at all, but had you know. Uh, approached it from an angle of, you know, uh, the overworked portion of it and what that can feel like to burn out and to need help and to not know where to go for it. And the difference between being in a place that helps you and being in a place that doesn't. And I thought this was just a really beautiful, heartfelt uh, statement from CM Punk. And, you know, I, I hope Mox gets to see it, hear it and, you know, again, see that support. And it's really cool to see people look out for each other. And even him, by his own admission, said, you know, we're not great friends or anything, but 
you know, I, I care about my coworkers and these people that are around me and uh, I care about their well-being. It was really nice to hear. Yeah, it, it was good. Like I said, if anybody's going to cut that particular promo, yeah, it would have had to have been CM Punk, you know. Uh, he then transitions that to Mox's wrestling partner, Eddie Kingston, uh, continuing an angle from uh, last Friday's Rampage, which, by the way, I forgot to praise you publicly on your uh, Paul Housen get up yes, on the wrestling brain stream. And if you did not see that, you can uh, just run over to my Twitter where it's my profile picture. Uh, yeah, my uh, my girlfriend was kind enough to uh, help me go full housing for our Halloween rampage special. Uh, so yeah, I got the full housing makeup. It looked great. Uh, I went over like gangbusters. Uh, I thought it looked awesome. And there will be more face paints in future wrestling brain or rampage streams. So um, yeah, of course we all know that Dan- Donovan Danhausen, the wrestler himself, uh, royally fucked himself up. Uh, well, I was going to mention those guys later, but yeah, since we brought it up, Danhausen broke his leg, Mans- Manser broke his ankle, both in the same show. Oh, no, so, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Oh, no, they both broke themselves on the same show. They were in the same fucking hospital together. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. What show was stuff. that? Uh, God, I think it was something in St. Louis. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not 100%. Oh, but, no. Uh, so, that, the, yeah, so the second gear cruise. Danhausen. Well, the, yeah. the second gear crew is going to be on the, uh, the, the shelf for a little bit. Well, I mean, I guess there's still, you know, Matt, Matthew AJ Justice and AJ and, 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 yeah, and Thunder Rosa. Well, well, AJ and Justice, uh, over at, uh, NJPW are going to be rest or no, at ring of honor. At fi- I think final battle or one of their things coming up, uh, they are wrestling the Briscoes. So I think, think maybe that's going to be the SGC configuration for the foreseeable future until uh, Mansur comes back, right? Uh, I'll assume they'll just run Justice League. Yeah, Yeah, which is great. I think uh, that'll be a really fun tag team, man. And AJ Gray getting in there with the Briscoes. I mean, it's going to be physical. Yeah, and I I hate to do this. Well, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to go on that. Uh, so anyway, I talked a lot of shit about the Briscoes before, right on, on the wrestling brainstream too. Even. Well, yes, but no, I was gonna say something else, GCW related. But you know what? We we're I don't want to get go down that road right now. So I'll, I'll tell you later. Um, so meanwhile, uh, CM Punk demands an apology from Eddie Kingston, possibly in St. Louis on uh, on Friday. Oh wait, Eddie Kingston tweeted out he'll be in St. Louis on Friday. So. Huzzah. All right, see you Friday night. Twitch.tv slash Wrestling Brain. Let's talk about it. Uh, we then get a uh, another backstage vignette with uh, Miro, still feuding with God, but saying he's been given a, a chance because he will be filling in for John Moxley tonight in the uh, AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. So, thanks, tournament. Yeah, he thanks take, him, but take that atheists. Score one for the Lord. Uh, We then go backstage with the super click talking some shit. And then uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express kind of show up. And uh, we get a little brawl that actually spills into the arena area. So, okay, that's good. I like that Christian Cage brought uh, half of his Orange Cassidy Halloween costume with him. (laughs) That was nice. Uh, And also, did you see the, the, the throwback that Christian Cage did? With the concerto, the concerto, yes. Uh, this was a this was a fun segment. I did enjoy this. I like an old, uh, good old fashioned backstage brawl that spills out into the crowd or up into the stage area. This is a really nice like uh, wrestling plot contrivance that we uh, haven't seen in a little in a little while. 
Oh yeah, no, no, that, that was nice. That was good. That it wasn't. You know me. I like, I like a good trope here and there. I like the tropes. Just give them to me at the right times and execute them well. That's all I ask. If you're gonna do tropes, you just gotta execute them. And I will say, like that's what this show was. Like it was, you know, one of those like business like sort of shows that didn't have a lot of like overly down stuff. There was a couple things that I thought sucked, like outwardly sucked, but like it wasn't like like the world on fire great either. I think. Well, I guess we'll overall it towards the end, but that's kind of my sentiments. Okay, I'll, I'll save my opinion for the end. Um, yeah. We then go to our second match of the evening. Uh, FTR defending the Triple A Campeonato de Parejas contra Aerostar e Samurai del Sol. Um, did you take notice of FTR's theme? Yeah, they uh, debuted that. Was that on Ram? I think they played it on Rampage or maybe on a Dark. I saw they've they've used it before. I think this might have been the first time I've gotten it. This is the first time I've actually taken note. If they did, this is the first time I've actually taken notice of it. Um, of course, the the song, if you did not hear it, is a complete pastiche of the song Chase by Giorgio Moroder, which was, of course, the theme to the movie Midnight Express, used by yeah. a certain tag team called the Midnight Express. <laughs> Whoa. I know, right? Whoa. That's, yeah. No, that, I mean, obviously, my, Mikey Ruckus has, you know, made uh, himself kind of the, the king of sound alikes for these wrestling themes and has done a pretty bang up job. And I got to say, this is very good. It sounds great. Uh, and, I love and, it. And I love it for them. I think it's a great sound and a great aesthetic for them. It works. It all works. And by the way, the song Chase is a banger. And I did uh, tweet oh, it out earlier. Yeah. Oh, it's a That's classic. Why this works. Right? Absolute it's, classic. He's doing a sound like a great song and it sounds great. So. Yeah. So uh, I also like, would like to praise the fact that uh, we had coordinated yet. Um, what's the word? Uh, not complimentary, but what's the other? You know what I mean? The uniforms, because um, because FTR were in all red, but uh, Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol were in like green and black numbers. And it just it, yes. it, it popped, you know? Yeah, no, it was a good like uh, look you know, to the two teams in the matching gear. And yeah, and it, this felt like a triple A match, didn't it? Like it really did. Like this was like, oh, well, this is just triple A on TNT for the night. Yeah, but not enough, you know, no, no, you know, absolutely wildly stupid jump from Aerostar this time. But you know what? Maybe considering the fact they were in Kansas City, that may be a good thing. Yeah, it could probably have something to do with it. And there just wasn't a lot of opportunity for that type of match either. Like, yeah, they may have gotten them over to the, the stage area to do something from there. But, like, we already did the stage stuff. So I just don't think the, the, the opportunity was really there. And I don't think the story really presented itself, even taking all that other stuff into account. Uh, I, it just really wasn't there for him. Uh, what do you think of Samurai Del Sol? Do you think he did a good Lucha thing? I think he did. I he think did he was it. just fine. He was peachy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You never really saw his WWE run. Oh, I no, I didn't. No, it. I completely missed the whole Callisto thing. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, he was uh, really good, but never really adapted perfectly to WWE style, which I think is easy to kind of see because he doesn't wrestle WWE style like at all. Like there's none of that in him. Like he doesn't look like a WWE type guy. Like he really wrestles like a luchador. Uh, well, it, it, isn't that pretty much like Luchador here? But I mean, isn't that pretty much also the uh, the, the 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 story of Mascara Dorada and and Mystico and Hunico and all these other Luchadors who go over? There are. 
there are some parallels. There are some parallels. I mean, you know, Rey Mysterio da- adapted incredibly well, but you know, he's a next generation. But you know, but, he's um, you know, he's Rey Mysterio. Yeah, so he can yeah, do he's any... fucking Mysterio. He, he's <laughs> Rey Mysterio, <laughs> and, and he wrestled on American TV for you know half a decade before. Oh yeah. Know. Oh yeah, and uh, there was I, I think there was a couple like uh, timing and chemistry spots here and there in this one. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff was a half a step late, but it was a fine match and it had some fun stuff going on. Indeed. Um, FTR do get the win with a, a tights and rope pull uh, on Samurai Del Sol to retain the triple uh, Campeonato de Parejas. Uh, we then go to. So, hey, before we move on, do you think they're losing that, those belts back to the uh, Lucha Brothers or do uh, is it someone else? Do you have like a quick prediction on who takes those belts from FTR eventually? Uh well, I mean, I heard a rumor that they are going to be at Triple, Triple Mania Regia, I think, which is I think is in December. Um, okay. And that, and I've also heard that Vicky Guerrero will be with them for this. Yes, Vicky Guerrero. I did hear this. Vicky Guerrero will be managing them for that. I love that for them. So, um, if they do, I don't know who they're going to face. I, I mean, I still think that those belts should be right now around the waist of Hijo del Vikingo and Laredo Kid. So, you know. We'll, we'll see. see. I mean, that would be an interesting match. I hope it they pull will. Uh, we then get a tape something from la- segment from last week with uh, Hikaru Shida being presented with her 50th win plaque finally by Tony Schiavone. And then uh, Nala Rose and Vicky Guerrero come by to talk some shit. And they do. They talk a little bit of shit. They act nonplussed and not impressed. I love their chemistry and their interplay. Love Nyla's confidence here. And just this sets up like they have real animosity, right? Like we don't forget and like we remember, you know, their prior feud and and their dislike for each other. And this all came right back right away. I thought this was really uh, nicely done. Uh, We then go to the top of the second hour with the inner circle uh, talking some shit with America's top team because they, uh, you know, they get to choose the members of American top team that are going to face them along with the men of the year and uh they choose junior dos santos well, before we get to the choices they, okay. they talk a lot they and, do uh let's jeff it's our first stinker alert of the night p u this sucked yeah i i, I kind of turned off i, I kind of tuned out a little bit so i didn't even catch the name of the second guy that they picked yeah so i'll the First thing I have to do is reiterate uh, the disrespect to Paige Van Zandt that this whole thing is because it's very, very clear that Paige Van Zandt is the star here. This is the person you should be featuring. And every and even when they have something for her, like they finally did tonight, they fucking immediately kill it with more bad Chris Jericho jokes. Yeah, it just doesn't work like that shit is so tired. It's just it's lazy. It just sucks, man. Like, low-hanging fruit, I would just expect you to try harder and do better. The only person that's really trying super hard is Dan Lambert. And that's like – and he is maximum effort 112% all day long. And it didn't always work for him here. This was one of his, I would say, lower performances in his promo work, except for towards the end where he shines in doing what he's one of the best in all of wrestling right now at being mad and embarrassed yeah just really really mad and really pissed off and embarrassed and like genuinely not like unhappy about the circumstances and reaction too many heels want to be cool 
and try to be cool. Dan Lambert has really embraced the uncool in a way that like it, it's, it's become a, a bit of a lost art in professional wrestling. And it's a kind of a breath of fresh air for me. It, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, from that respect, uh, I, I do agree with that. So let's let's go to the who, who whom the choices were. Uh, Junior Dos Santos, so, Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, another former UFC heavyweight champion. Okay, Andre, uh, that's the one I didn't know. So yeah, and, Chicago's own Andre Arlovsky. Well, I'm not and, a big uh, dude. I haven't watched UFC with any regularity since the days of like you know the Gracies. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've fucking probably our last was around shit he's been yeah, uh, but uh, and, and the third so the third choice they were talking about first it being austin vanderford because he wants revenge for the wife disrespecting uh then page said she wants to be uh in the match which that's i mean again that's the choice just let page go in there and maul yeah. everybody yeah but tk uh, don't yeah but tk don't do intergender so well it's you know if anyone's gonna break that barrier i think i think page van's answer good choice but Alas, none of those are the choices. It was the most likely. And I mean, you have to, it is the, you have to do it choice. Uh, Jericho points out that uh, one of these people uh, mentioned that they were the original member of American Top Team, making them eligible. It's Dan Lambert himself, folks. Dan Lambert in a wrestling match at Full Gear. Uh, I mean, you had to, you had to do it. I mean, remember he he come up by getting into this match. I mean, remember he did take some hellified bumps by uh, Lance Archer way back when. So, you know. Sure did, sure did. So, uh, it, I, you know, he's going to be fine. It's going to be fun. That's what this match is all kind of built around. I didn't like this segment. I don't really think anything worked besides Paige. And the very end when Dan was, like, screaming uh, about uh, the, the, the crowd being mean to him, uh, those parts were high points. All the rest of this was low. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a fine comedy match. You know, it's cool that ATT is, like, a wrestling stable, and I hope this opens up more like MMA gyms dipping their toes into this because I do think overall, like it's a success for American top team, even when these segments don't totally work. And despite this one, not totally working, I'm still, you know, interested enough in this match. Like, how about you? Are you like, does this hold your attention? Are you interested in seeing this go now? You want the truth? Yes. That's not, not, not really. No, this is going to be my, my, you know, take a break match because (laughs) Okay. I, I just don't care about this angle. Is there anything they could have done or still can do to change your mind on that? No, because a lot of it is on Chris Jericho just killing my interest in it. Okay, fair. Honestly. Fair. I, I get that because, you know, I, and I praise Jericho's work a lot on this podcast, but I don't think he's been good here during most of this. No, he hasn't. I mean, no, this has been and a he's complete... the guy that's supposed to carry this, and he's not doing it well. And Dan Lambert has ended up picking up that slack. Yeah, and instead, you know, instead of getting you know a TNT title match with Sammy, you know, in a prominent spot on a pay per view, we get this shit. So okay, yeah, it's, I, I do kind of feel like we're here, but again, this is high profile in, in the crossover sense and all of that. So, you know, I, I do think there's some, again, some positives there. And, you know, people that aren't, you know, tr- generally wrestling fans might, you know, flip over and tune into this and, you know, might see people like Sammy Guevara and Santana and Ortiz and go, hey, maybe I want to watch this more. That's the opportunity you got to cash in on it, right? Fair. Uh, we then go backstage with, uh, and here's a, here's a, a murderer's row here. Uh, Leah Rush, Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, and Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty. Oh. Lee Moriarty on AEW Dynamite. Woo! Let's do it. Let's get this. Let's do it. Um, they're teasing a tag match 
with uh, with uh, Leo and, and Dante versus Seidel and, and Lee Moriarty. I am here for this. I mean, yeah, it's all great. Um, all Let's just stop here, though, because, like, if uh, uh, Leo and, and Dante, like, beat these guys up and then Matt Seidel comes back next week with, like, another black guy, like, it's going to start getting weird. You know, a, you know, you may be onto something. <laughs> we're, we're like one away. So like, let's, Ooh. let's, I mean, this, I think the match is going to be really good. I think this is like a really, again, like for the progression of guys like Don, because again, Dante Martin's like your centerpiece here, right? So everything you should be doing should be raising the profile of and giving valuable experience to Dante Martin and adding Lee Moriarty to this mix absolutely does that and it gives us a preview of what i think will be a banger of a singles match and feud for probably years to come in aew uh with any luck i think these are two guys that you build around in the future um so all that is all well and good i think this is going to be just fine and i think it's a a good progression in this storyline interested to see what happens uh with with this leo dante like are they going to start shoring up their relationship now do you think I don't know. But also, did you know, uh, on that note, did you hear what happened in Pittsburgh yesterday? Uh, no. Uh, so the got a big sandwich? The first black mayor ever elected in Pittsburgh. Wow. Yesterday, Ed Gainey. So, yeah. So that's, uh, Ed yeah. Uh, you know is he what? Cool? Is, he like a, is he like a cool, cool guy? Good, good politics too. I, I, I think so. I, I don't know much about him, but I think so. But you know what? I'm also going to make mention. Um, in Boston yesterday, uh, the first woman and person of color elected mayor of Boston, Michelle Wu. Whoa! In Boston, look at these guys. Yeah. They See, got we, dogs, and they said, "We're not doing racism today." Yeah. See, we we, we could have talked. We could have talked about that last week. <laughs> If this had happened, they got all they got all the electric vote machines. They put the microprocessors in them. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So hey, dig that, and then, and then Buffalo, go- uh, boo to Buffalo for uh, absolutely rat fucking India Walton. So oh yeah, uh, Buffalo, you blew it. Yeah, Buffalo, you suck. Um, our third match of the evening. Every uh, time I die, still rules. Our third match of the evening, Anna J versus Jamie Hader in the first round of the TBS title tournament. Um, match is okay. Unfortunately, of course, they cut to a full commercial break during the match, taking me it out of the match. The biggest thing about the picture in picture on this one and what happens with the matches in this time slot, which do end up being women's matches a lot of the time, uh, is the it comes in pretty early in the match, which is a big momentum killer when it's done earlier on. Oh yeah, maybe another three minutes, and it's not so bad. But if you only have about ninety seconds of match time before you go into a two and a half minute commercial break, that can be tough. Oh uh, yeah, a ninety second commercial break, maybe you get away with that. But yeah, the the structure of this one was a little bit tough. Um, but the yeah, again, the match itself, fine. Um, yeah, really good. Yeah, Jamie Hader gets the win. Via fuckery. Of course, you know, we, we did need one upset in this it was tournament. An, it was an interesting way to get an upset, still protect Anna Jay. You know, wasn't her fault. She was winning the match in large part until the uh, the little cheatery. So Rebel distracts the ref, 
and uh, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, grabs the uh, the leg, and then we get a little uh, uh, hit in the back, and then it was, what, like a roll-up or like a grab or whatever? Was that what it was? Well, there was a short-arm lariat, too. Short-arm lariat, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And people were rolling up and grabbing and doing all kinds of stuff and trying yeah. to keep track of it. It's wrestling. But, I don't know. Right. People do uh, to each other, whatever, I guess. So, uh, so uh, Britt... Rebel and Jamie Hader all try to beat down Anna Jay. We get rescues first from Ty Conti, which, yes, Ty, Ty Conti kicking people in the face will the never not be. Ty Conti, the future AEW women's champion, Ty Conti. Oh, you're, you're making that call, huh? No, I'm not making that call. I'm just saying at some point she's going to be AEW women's champion. Oh, OK, fair. Uh, and then also to, to even the odds, Thunder Rosa, at, at which point. It made me realize what I think we really need in AEW. You know what we need? We need Thunder Rosa versus Ty Conti UWF rules match. Book I'm it. In. Book I'm it. Can, can we make them wear geese too? They didn't wear geese in the UWF. That, no, you know you have to you know modernize. You have to change things. It can't be all the same. Wear geese. <laughs> anyway, book that match, Tony Khan. You coward. In a geese. Tony Khan wear a gi too. Tony <laughs> Khan in a gi would be awesome. And now that I think about it, <laughs> is Tony Khan just running out on stage in a fucking gi? Oh my goodness! Wait, I, you know what? We're changing the pay per view, folks. Next week, November thirteenth, AEW full gi. Full gi. There we go. <laughs> Uh, we then get a uh, Jade Cargill promo because uh, she's going to be facing. Oh, wait, who is she going to be facing? The winner of the winner of uh, uh, the, the, the you know the one you know what I'm talking about the match. She's the, and, uh, the, it's Allie the Bunny and uh, and Red Velvet, right? Allie and Red Velvet. That's that's, that's right. what I was okay, say. I was right. testing you to make sure that you remembered and you passed. Yeah, Great job. I, I did. So, uh, so she'll face the winner of them whenever that match happens. I think finally on Rampage is when that's that on is Rampage happening. on Friday. I'm testing you again mm. to make sure. Yeah. Okay. We then get a promo from Maxwell Jacob Friedman as Darby Allen sits in the rafters, and uh, you know, I thought this was an actual decent promo. From MJF, and I'll tell you why. Because you know, to go along with the the pastiche earlier uh, by FTR, just really wanted to say pastiche on a podcast today. I, you know what? Today, I can feel it. I can feel it in your bones (laughs) and your soul. It's a very pastiche day. It's a Uh, pastiche. Um, because he did. Because for all the times that they say that, you know, he he acts like you know he he cuts an old school. (laughs) He cuts an old school promo. You know, he acts like. Ric Flair. Um, this actually felt like an old Ric Flair promo because he, you know, he spent the first part of his promo building up Darby Allen and then spent the second half knocking him down, which is how it, which is how the promos used to be before, uh, I mean, before, are... before the legacy of Dwayne Johnson, where you just, you know, insult them and that's it. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the Ric Flair comparisons are very, I mean, on the nose because that's very intentional. Like he's doing the Ric Flair thing right now, right? Even even down to using a Ric Flair line, calling him uh, was a glorified stuntman. That's the line. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I mean he's doing like a full on Ric Flair. They're they're doing that and leaning into it. And I think this is great for MJF's progression as a top heel to go through. You know, he wants to be one of these self proclaimed four pillars of AEW. 
He wants to be a building block and to be a legend to kind of, you know, walk the path of legends uh, to get there, I think is a really interesting kind of road. Yeah. So uh, this, of course, does lead to a dust up between uh, MJF uh, Darby and part some of the pinnacle and Steve Stinger. So. And a bunch of minions in Darby Allen masks, one of which was almost certainly Griff Garrison. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. I, no one else has that hair. Fair. No one else. I know my son. <laughs> you could pick your, you could tell your son anywhere. But before we move on, the, the one real bright spot of this one was the Darby Allen full speed sprint clothesline over the rail to MJF. That looked great. That was pretty good. It must Very be said. Good. Very good. Uh, our fourth match of the evening, uh, Cody Rhodes versus Andrade El Idolo. Um, Malachi Black is banned from ringside. Uh, there were no cool pastiches in this hey, hey, match. Hey, what, so. uh, what do you think Malachi Black was doing during this match? Uh, do you think he was brooding? Um, yeah, probably. Do you think he was? Do you think he was scowling somewhere? <laughs> Just kind of muttering curses under his breath. Yep. Do you th- yeah, he was uh, uh, he was sulking probably. Oh yeah, definitely. He was probably sulking. Yeah. yeah. Um, what you before I because I mean naturally I have things to say, Jeff. What did you think of this match? I thought this match was pretty okay. Actually, I thought this was one of the best performances from both. Cody Rhodes and Andrade we've seen in, in some time. Although Andrade did just have that a couple of bangers with Pac too. So, you know, and, and he was, yeah. I guess, decent against Kenny Omega at, at triple mania as well. So hmm. Andrade seems to be, and this is a theme with Andrade over the last few years is he really does like have like a kind of a slightly narrow window of opponents that really bring out the best in him. Right. Right. And I think maybe he, He's up to certain guys and maybe plays down to others. And I think kind of the match, like he really does determine his own match quality based on his ring chemistry, right? Like if he's kind of feeling it and uh, very, very apparent in this match that he really likes working with Cody, this clicked. these guys really clicked in the ring together. They had incredible timing and chemistry. Uh, This was, I think Cody's best match in quite some time. Uh, He looks great uh, here. Uh, did a lot of little things really well. Uh, one thing I, I noticed that I really want to point out, uh, Andrade went for the three amigo suplexes, Jeff. Right. And Cody stopped it in that second one and broke it up. And that is a small detail that I thought was brilliant. Yeah, but did you uh, notice what the follow-up to that was, though? It was what? Go ahead. It was a suplex into the turnbuckles. Ah, yes. Um, so... So I mean, my, my, my point of it being people want Cody to turn heel, right? They right. say, oh, turn Cody heel, right? That's the sentiment. Turn Cody heel, turn Cody heel. I say to you, it has already happened if you care to notice. Cody doesn't have to turn heel. Cody already is the heel that you've decided he is because you, the fans, have already decided. He doesn't have to do anything else. And... I'll go even further. People wanting him to like do some sort of storytelling on the nose, like, hey, I'm a bad guy now thing is like feels to me like people begging to have their intelligence insulted. Like, why? What? Like, at this point, what would Cody like do make making some sort of outward action 
that would tell you, I am a bad guy now, what would that do like for his character or for the crowd reactions that he's getting that isn't already happening? Yeah, I don't have an answer for that. that right, that's what I'm saying. Like, so like it's already done. And he all he has to do is stuff like this. All he has to do is break up a three amigo suplex, which is about the healest fucking thing you can do. Uh, um he's doing these things in the ring. He's and and just the decision of addressing it head first, and we talked about that promo where he just said, I'm not turning, is about the most outward thing he can tell you to say I am a heel, because he's telling you, the crowd, that he doesn't care what you want. He's not gonna give it to you. Which is what heels do. Bali, I have a related note for the end of the show. So but you don't want to uh, get to it right now if it's related? Uh no, because it's, it's not is it Cody related? Well it's a spoiler too. So okay. that's Eddie, why. would you like to would you like to continue discussing Cody Rhodes with me? And would you like to talk more about <laughs> Cody and say something nice about Cody? Um Cody's uh, I thought Cody's hair looked good and uh he's got a really nice smile and just, you know, uh, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I, I am going to note that his, his gear tonight was edging dangerously close to Toshiaki Kawada's, and you know that just didn't sit totally right with me. I'm sorry. It, uh, <laughs> but no, on a more serious note, this was one of the best uh, matches Cody Rhodes has had in, in in some time, and I do agree with what you're saying. I mean, the crowd still hates him, but you know Andrade is also you know they're supposed so, to. But Andrade is also still a Rudo too, and. You know, and with that, of course, we get the cheating to win when because FTR were under the ring and uh, whacked Cody with the AAA tag belts to get the win, uh, which brings out uh, Tully Blanchard to gloat, which brings Arn Anderson in the ring. And then the best part of this whole segment, the Lucha Bros and Penta's and Penta's pullover. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Penta looked great. Oh, Once again, man, he's got the drip, man. Lucha Drip, the Lucha Drip God. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think this was a fun little dust-up. Busy kind of finish, but, like, busy in sort of the right way. Like, it didn't feel bogged down or, like, overly done. Uh, it was a genuine surprise to see FTR there at that spot and, and give it that result. I think people probably expected Cody to continue his winning ways after this Malachi Black stuff, but no. He gets, uh, he takes his lump, he takes a pin, and uh, it kind of moves things forward with the Lucha Brothers and with FTR. It gives us a chance for maybe a six-man with these guys. There's a bunch of stuff we can do here before full gear. Yeah, and, you know, the right guy went one in this case, too. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, and I've, I've been very vocal that I think Cody needs to rack up those L's. I think that's good for the character. Uh, one thing I'll finish with, because, you know, I, I've been banging this drum for a very long time, Jeff, uh, as to Cody's character and character's direction and Cody's self-awareness. Uh, Tony Khan was on Wrestling Observer Live today, talked about a bunch of stuff, but uh, he mentioned one thing that I think is very important uh, that Tony, out of Tony Khan's mouth himself, he has said that it has been a long time since the reaction Cody received was not, quote, the intended reaction. Uh, so Tony Khan himself is basically saying, we know what we're doing with this Cody Rhodes character and this and duh, this is what the fuck I've been saying. <laughs> well, I I'm just going to point out yet again that absolutely none of the elite, Cody Rhodes inclusive, should ever have been baby faces. I, I, and I disagree with that because without those baby face runs, uh, their current character iterations that are working so well wouldn't have been as effective out of the gate. They did a great job making I, I, this no, I, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about just in yeah, I'm not talking about in AEW. I'm talking at all. 
<laughs> they never yeah, should have been baby faces. Wrestling was invented when AEW was formed on January 1st, 2019. <laughs> you know what? There are already some idiots out there who probably think that New Japan was formed when Kenny Omega went there. So, you know, <laughs> who knows? New Japan started um, uh, at the G1 that John Moxley was in. That was the first time New Japan ever did a show. <laughs> Uh, we then uh, get a, an in-ring segment with uh, John Silver. Uh, I guess he's going to be facing Adam Cole on Rampage. It looks yeah, like. he is. And um, uh, we get more. Alert number two. This also sucked. Yeah, I don't understand this budge thing. I don't know. It's just John Silver. Like, okay, so uh, last week on Wrestling Brain Rampage, or the week before, uh, when Nick was out. Uh, my uh, co-host was uh, Wrestling Brains, AEW's Wednesday night host, uh, Josh Custodio. And Josh and I talked about John Silver, and he brought up that he doesn't like John Silver, uh, mostly because he tries to be like a serious, strong wrestler in the ring, but is like a goofy, dumb idiot outside of the ring, and it doesn't mesh for him. And it does, it like he doesn't, the goofy stuff doesn't really uh, do anything for him. He doesn't buy it. And I kind of pushed back on that and was like, ah, oh, he's fun. He's you know whatever. This promo made me see it from Josh's point of view for a minute. Because uh, this was bad. It was just goofy and contrived and not well executed and just awkward. And I didn't like any of it. It sucked and I wanted it off my TV. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, I thought it was kind of unnecessary. A, a big miss for John Silver, who I'm normally a fan of. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of unnecessary. Uh, we then get uh, coming attractions, including a brief little bit from Allie the Bunny in in run up to uh, her versus Red Velvet on Rampage. Which will be so good. And uh, which leads us to our fifth and final match of the evening: uh, Orange Cassidy versus God's favorite Redeemer Miro in the AEW World Title Eliminator Semifinal. Um, Brian Danielson joins on commentary for this match. I will say that I thought that this was actually the best opponent they could have gotten to fill in for Mox. Yes. I mean, based on the results, I would say yes. Um, my pushback on it was um, what my hope was after uh, uh, Mox had uh, left the tournament was that we would get Orange Cassidy, an opponent that Orange would beat, and we would be seeing Brian Danielson and Orange Cassidy in the final at full gear. That's what I was looking for. I thought this was a really good opportunity to call an audible in OC's favor, right? Because this is obviously like going to be Mox Danielson. We all knew we were going to get into Mox Danielson. And since that wasn't going to happen, I thought Orange Cassidy kind of earned it to this point. So I was kind of hoping they'd get him someone that he was going to beat. Once it was Miro, I kind of knew that was going to be a bit unlikely. You know, I I thought I honestly thought that there was a distinct chance they might give Orange Cassidy a bye because of this because that, that because that's a four because I mean I mean yes we all know that there's le real legit circumstances for what happened but I mean in the storyline you know we had to do the the kayfabe hat this is a forfeit so yeah but Tony Khan not the kind of guy to give his fans less wrestling for storyline purposes and I respect that oh that to, and I'm sure in Tony Khan's purview that's why well, that's taken the easy way out I have to give the fans something and that's why AEW works is because they are a genuinely fan-focused product right like you know let's let's talk about WWEification of the brain that's like something that that, that uh, New York would do they would just say oh bye all right uh, counterpoint though, we just had eight 
G1 Climax matches that were buys because Tetsuya Naido got well, fucked G1, up. And, and the G1 is a little bit different because G1 has uh, a long precedent and a history and they adhere to the rules more stringently because of their, you know, the structure of that whole thing, right? So okay. that, and the presentation of that product relies on, like, its reliance on the rules and stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, this is just a tournament that Tony Khan made up out of thin air and can make the rules of for whatever he wants, right? But this is True. just, there's no precedent for it. There's no annual thing to it. It's just a tournament that was conjured up specifically so we could get to one, one certain match on a pay-per-view. Now we can't get there, so what do you do? I was hoping it would be Orange Cassidy, but uh, this is a really interesting uh, alternative as well. So the match itself is really good. We knew we weren't going to get a whole lot of time. It was, what, uh, about 10-2, 9-2 by the time the, the bell rang. Right. So uh, it was really physical. Uh, Orange Cassidy had the rib wrap. So uh, another mark against Orange Cassidy, the rib wraps are basically a wrestling kiss of death. Mm-hmm. If you show an outward injury in a match before, you're just giving yourself an excuse to lose the match. Uh, but wait a minute. DDP wore him for like two years. Yeah, and he lost and, a lot. But also had his greatest run of success during that time, too. Right, but you know, when you're wearing him for one week versus wearing him for like three months, the effect is a little bit different. Okay, maybe maybe fair. Um, with that in mind... Uh, like, like people, like eventually people like understood that Nelly didn't have a cut under his eye. But does Ultimo Guerrero, but does Ultimo Guerrero actually have a, a sore on his forehead? Because he's been wearing that bandage on his forehead since like forever. <laughs> okay. So that one actually is, yes, he's got a perpetual injury. It's really weird. No one can figure out why. Okay. Fair. Uh, Excalibur several times during the night uh, mentioned uh, coast to coast. And I kept thinking, is he going to go into an art bell bit? Oh, I would love that. Or even <laughs> I would like if he even got into George Nori. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I would get into some Nori bits. Nori is, uh, you know, he's a he's a character all his own, man. Oh boy. Uh, overall, this was a real good match. I know that they didn't really give it too much time, but then again, I mean, we we all know, we all know. Wait, 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 no, no, hold on, hold on. We all know that Miro is is Jack and is in peak physical condition. But do you really see Miro doing a Kenta Kobashi and doing like a, a, a forty minute epic? No, but that's not the type of wrestler he is, and that's not what we what we want to see, and it's not what we're gonna see with the with the Danielson match, and it's not what we should see. Brian Danielson, and what's so great about this run and who he is, is he has a different type of match every week. He's wrestling his opponent's match and still beating him at that and, and then making it you know his own thing. And that's what's going to happen here. It's going to be Miro's type of match, but Brian's going to find that way to overcome it. And that's the story. And uh, I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. This version of Miro, this version of Danielson, away from New York, uh, really getting to be the best wrestlers they can be against each other uh, is money. I think this is going to be fantastic. Okay, so wait a bit. So you're saying that Brian Danielson adapts his his wrestling to his opponent, right? Absolutely. So when do we get Brian Danielson versus Atsushi Onita? I mean, I would beg for it. I would absolutely beg for it. Look, I mean, they just did that uh, that wonderful show over in the baseball field there with uh, with Tremont. Oh, I need, I need, to, yeah, I need to see that. I, I had some the checks, man. It was fun. It was yeah, super I, fun. I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it when it aired because I was, I had some writing I needed to clear the decks of. So yeah, that was the IWTV archives. I would say if you didn't see it, and you have IWTV. 
uh, check out the FMWE show, especially that main event. I thought it was a lot of fun. Now, was that an FMWE? Now, wait a minute. Was that an actual FMWE show? Because I thought it was advertised as an H2O show. It was advertised as a co-promoted. Fair. Okay. That's fair. Type type deal but yeah no and that's why i was so interested in seeing orange cassidy and brian danielson because i really want to see orange cast uh, you know brian danielson wrestle the orange cassidy match and i want to see how he adapts to that and how they make what danielson does out of out of orange cassidy's style it's so interesting to me do you, is it possible that danielson and orange cassidy have wrestled before because if they did, I think mm, I maybe. because, because if they did, <laughs> it would have been it, it may not have been when he was Orange Cassidy. That's what I'm, that's what I was just about to say that he probably wasn't Orange Cassidy. No, because the Orange Cassidy character didn't come until what 2014 or 15, something like that. I yeah, think I, 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 that, it might have been when he was Fire Ant. If it happened, maybe they they probably wrestled at Chikara or something. Right? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. So. Hey, oh, on that shit. note, Eddie Chikara, hit us up on Twitter. Hey, uh, but no, on here, before we move on, I wanted to, I wanted to circle back to something. Imagine um, the Art Bell Area Fifty One call, right? And uh, and they have all the information <laughs> on the on the aliens, and they and they're describing what is the alien? What does the alien look like? And they're like, well, um, it's in a green outfit and has a face paint and like a lightning bolt shape on their face. Um, and does like a really cool like front flip <laughs> off the apron. Wait, it's Chris Statlander. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, hey, on that note, where do you think uh, the inspiration for Orange Cassidy came from? Um, Orange Cassidy being hungover and not really wanting to go wrestle one day, and then being like, "Oh, I can make a character out of this." Okay, that that, my- that's good. You know who? What my theory is. Go. My, th- my theory, uh, my theory is Ryan Gosling's character in Drive. I'm sure there's probably some like from some of the mannerisms and stuff. There's probably something to that. Yeah, because oh, I, I, when, I, when I rewatched that during Furious guy, so I know there's probably some Paul Walker in there. Yeah, oh, maybe that could be too. So because I know like the original Orange Cassidy character, like the whole crux of it is this guy is like hungover. And he doesn't really feel like being there, but then he drinks a big old thing of orange juice, and he has just enough energy to pull out a win and then go home. Now, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's kind of what the whole deal was. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Fair, fair. And with that, uh, Brian Danielson enters the ring to shake Miro's hand in a gesture of sportsmanship, but uh, Miro ain't having that shit today. No, Miro says, no, 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 we're not friends. Uh, are you God? You're not, he, he bagel bossed him. He said, you're not God? Or my father, or my boss, or my hot wife. Now here, now here's what I think. So, do you think maybe we, if Danielson beats Mira, we get a reprise of the end of uh, of Kung Fu Hustle when the Beast calls uh, <laughs> calls Sing Master? Maybe, maybe. Um, all I all I hope is that everyone goes out and has fun at full gear this one and i here's the thing we're gonna have fun i don't think either of these guys are gonna have fun i think they are going to both leave it with uh large welts on their bodies Oof. uh you if you thought especially Brian after Daniels that goddamn match on rampage before, holy shit you have you have not seen chest redness you have not the very concept of chest redness will be reimagined at full gear oh my goodness and with so, that, um, so that 
And with that, we close out this week's edition of AEW Dynamite. Overall, I thought this was a, a, a fine show. I, I, I didn't. There was not a lot I did not enjoy, so I don't have a lot of bad things to say about it, except for a couple of segments, which I didn't think were great. It was very promo heavy. This episode, it was it was promo heavy. I, I will say this: uh, the Malachi Black thing didn't work for me because it was too wordy. Uh, ATT Inner Circle sucked. John Silver segment sucked. I wasn't as high on the MJF one as you. I thought he other previous ones in this feud were better, but I thought it was fine and got the job done. But yeah, overall, I would call this like a middling episode with two good, with two like really good matches. Uh, like again, I thought the, the Cody Andrade match was really good. And I thought Miro Cassidy was quite good as well, but yeah, overall, like a pretty middling episode. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can follow me on Twitter at cool step uncle on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thick flare. And of course, every Friday night, twitch.tv slash wrestling brain right after AEW rampage goes off the air. Join us for wrestling brain rampage. Me and Nick East. Uh, we talk to you in chat. We have some great segments and bits. Uh, including Jeanette Me This, who Max Caster like sort of low-key mentioned uh, in a way uh, on AEW Dark, so that was very funny. Uh, so yeah, all the all the fun stuff happening over there. Uh, come see us. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the Ian Style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel Two S is One L. Uh, John and I finally dropped Busting Balls Goes to the Movies uh, over the weekend, so check that out here on the PWOM Podcast Network. And uh, I think Chris and I are. Fi- I-, I think I finally got break broken through in negotiations with Chris. Um, a deal is going to be signed. I think we're actually going to do a Strong Style episode. Strong oh, Soul wow. Story episode this weekend. So, folks, stay tuned. We'll, we'll see if, they, uh, if our uh, contract Jeff, negotiations. Let's hear if Jeff and Chris talk about that brand new upstart promotion, New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> scrappy Paul. underdog and pro wrestlers. Paul, any last words? Yeah, uh, buy shit from Danhausen and Mance. Do it. We'll see you next week. <laughs>